Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Sapoon Wong, and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, is my co-host and senior staff writer, Ryan Whitfield. So we have a lot to talk about today, because we (laughs) didn't have an episode last week, so we have so much to update you on. We're going to be talking about Adrian Peterson and his signing with the Washington Redskins last week. We're going to talk about the recent injury to Marquise Lee. ACL tear, uh, ACL injury, which is a season-ending injury that will take them out of play for this season for Jacksonville Jaguars and how it will impact them. We're going to talk about Sam Darno and his potential for starting for the New York Jets and also another first-round pick, Josh Allen, and his possibility of starting for the Buffalo Bills and how he's looked so far since the A.J. McCarron injury. We're also going to talk about Chris Carson's situation in Seattle with respect to Rashad Penny's injury, another another injury uh, playing its way out. We're going to talk about Eric Decker's retirement and what that means to the Patriots and other teams. And we're going to talk about Odell Beckham Jr.'s new deal with the New York Giants. It is a doozy. It is a doozy. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And we'll also talk about the introduction of the new Green Zone. That's right, the Green Zone, which was introduced last night, actually, on Sunday Night Football. Uh, so, big deal there. <laughs> well, a lot of lot of responses regarding the Green Zone. It'll be interesting to see how that all kind of plays out. So, before we get rolling, let me give you uh, get you up to speed on a few things. And we'll just go ahead and get those out of the way first so that you are up to speed on some of the latest breaking news. Yeah, that's dramatic. I love it. Here we go. So, uh, a few things to talk about. First of all, Jordan Reed. Uh, I know a lot of you have been thinking about what it's going to be like in the Redskins if Jordan Reed actually gets back on the field. Of course, with Alex Smith there, there's a lot of potential for Jordan Reed to really have a breakout season um, as a a, a true move tight end there in the vein of what Kelchi was able to do uh, with Alex Smith in Kansas City. Now, we've been informed uh, that Jay Gruden, by Jay Gruden, the uh, Redskins head coach, that Jordan is on pace for week one. So that that may be good news. We don't know if it will be week one, but he's on pace. That may be good news for the Redskins, who could use his help um, with um, with that offense. And then some other news here, Doug Baldwin, another big wide receiver uh, that has an injury that's been nagging him basically all the preseason. And it's been reported now by Michael Sean Duger that he is clearly very close or, uh, to returning fully. And uh, once he, And it should be that at this point in time, and he should be ready for week one. So for all you Seattle Seahawks fans out there, that is good news for all you because, uh, hey, you know what? There's not many other receiving options out there in Seattle anymore. All right. Then, of course, our favorite injury star, that's Andrew Luck, who's been out of the essentially out of the league you know, for an injury for about two years, has a little bit of a foot injury now. He was hurt in the sack in Saturday's preseason game. Coach Frank Reich said, that Luck would be playing through the injury if it was a regular season game, but is not going to be playing through it here in the preseason. So not surprisingly, we probably won't see Luck anymore. We wouldn't see him in the fourth preseason game anyway, so that shouldn't change anything. However, with all the injury issues that Luck has had throughout the last two years, you always hate to see another, yet another injury jump up there and, uh, and, and, and rear its ugly head. Uh, as another side note for all you keeping track of injuries, Jay Ajayi of the Eagles, who is going to 
is, is predicted to command the backfield this year is um, not practicing again. So that's another – it's an undisclosed lower body injury. He's been sidelined for eight days now. Now, of course, there are a lot of injuries over there in the Eagles, and if anybody saw that third preseason game, which was supposedly the dress rehearsal, it did not go well at all. You know, there was also – there was no Alshon Jeffrey, of course. You know, you don't have Zach Ertz there. And, and Nick Foles was absolutely terrible. Now, part of that could be him coming off that kind of shoulder injury. Maybe it's just not being in sync with everybody on the field because you don't have your regular starters. But uh, this is going to be a, a toothless Eagles defense, offense if it ends up being Nick Foles without Jay Ajayi, without Alshon Jeffrey, without Nelson Aguilar, and without Zach Ertz. Now, of course, that, that does that's probably not how it's going to line up. Everyone thinks Carson Wentz will be ready to play, but, uh, you know, it's a big question mark. Along with more injury news, Delaney Walker of the Tennessee Titans is very confident now that he'll be returning by week one. He hasn't practiced since August 16th, uh, and it looks like the Titans are just being cautious but, you know, he is basically one of their key offensive cogs right now um, with only Corey Davis actually guaranteed to be another offensive cog there on the passing game. So he is critical for the Tennessee Titans to actually make, make some hay this, we, uh, this year. So we'll see how that all turns out. Uh, and, of course, Mike Evans, some of you might have been scared by the injury or the pseudo injury that he took in the Friday Peace preseason game from last week. Uh, he took a big hit, sat out. Sunday, uh, but he's returned to practice on Monday for the Buccaneers. So for all you guys who are big Buccaneers fans, Mike Evans should be returning in time for the regular season. And then last but not least, the most hype rookie running back in a long time, and the guy who had the most this jersey sales after a first round of the draft in the history of the NFL, Saquon Barkley, participated on seven-on-seven drills on Monday. He reportedly looked healthy. Uh, he had a great wheel route that he ran, um, and he is—he uh, looks like he's ready to go for week one. But, you know, hamstring injuries, it's always better to be safe than sorry. We probably will not see him anywhere in the uh, rest of the preseason except for on the sidelines running drills. Hopefully he'll be okay to go because there is a lot riding on him this year. Okay, so with that said, let's go ahead and get it rolling. So here we go, getting rolling with the rest of our show. Ryan, before we get rolling with that, uh, you know the Bouchrette's off the air. We all know that. Tell me, what are you watching nowadays? What I'm about to watch is myself write a very angry email to uh, to Blog Talk Radio about how, why the Direct Connect never works, because I am. <laughs> whew, I'm going to try Even to bring mad. it down for us to show, but I, I'm at a, at a level 10 right now, the fact that this this is never works. I was in my in my Chrome settings trying to adjust this, and – um, this is no longer a technical difficulty uh, on the side of football garbage time. This is just blog talk not working. So thanks yeah, for the well, we're there. Oh. <laughs> but aside from that, well, uh, finishing up sharp, sharp Objects right now on HBO is actually what I was nice. in the middle of doing before the episode and we'll finish after the episode. Or after nice. Episode, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, great show. Everyone should check that out. Very tense. Super awesome. Written by the same person that wrote uh, Gone Girl. You saw that, right? I did, yep. I, I like Sharp Objects a little bit better, to be honest, so far. I actually yeah. went in with lower expectations because I thought Gone Girl was, was good, but a bit overhyped. Um, and I right. think Sharp Objects came in a little bit underhyped and overdelivered. Yep, I, I'm totally on board with you right there. Now, I have to ask you this question. Have you seen the show uh, Castle Rock that's on Hulu right now? It's that Stephen King show I have that's going on. I have not. It is on the list because um, uh, I'm a big Shawshank fan. So, uh, Hell yeah. Castle Rock will probably... 
be the dramatic, uh, you know, the drama that we fill uh, after after we're done with uh, with uh, sharp objects here. Uh, nice, nice, and we'll have and we'll be able to discuss Castle Rock at the beginning of every podcast, so everyone has a chance to partake of this fantastic show. If you like Shawshank, you're gonna love it because a lot of the show actually happens in Shawshank Penitentiary, so you're gonna you're gonna love it. All right, <laughs> all right, guys. No, so uh, so Blog Talk Radio, if you're listening, get your act together. We're coming for you. But uh, for now, let's go ahead and move on to our first topic of the day. That's Adrian Peterson and the Washington Redskins. As I previewed earlier last week, the Washington Redskins signed running back Adrian Peterson, formerly of the Cardinals and formerly of many other teams now, to a one-year contract. The Skins also looked at Jamal Charles and Orleans Darkwa, but Peterson ended up getting the deal. At 33 years old, it's really unclear how much he has left in the tank, but Washington's backfield is a mess right now. Darius Geis with the ACL injury, Samaj P. Ryan with an ankle injury, Byron Marshall with an ankle injury. It is not looking good. We haven't seen much of him until the third preseason game, but Peterson did manage to rush 11 times for 56 yards. He lined up for 14 of 25 plays with Alex Smith on the field, so clearly looks like he's going to dominate first-team snaps. Chris Thompson will likely take primary uh, change of pace and passing back duties. Capri Bibbs also in the wings, but Peterson looks like the early down guy. So what do you think here, Ryan? What are your thoughts regarding the impact of Adrian Peterson and the Redskins as a team and oh, for fantasy? Thank God this is the first topic because I'm ready to come in hot right now. Would, would you <laughs> nice. just go away? Go away, Adrian. <laughs> My God, I've been this annoyed with a professional athlete since since Brett Favre and his whole his whole antics. Go away. You're not good anymore. I'm so sick. I'm so sick of guys who clearly fallen off the cliff and suck. Not to mention, as I put on everybody's timeline and any whether it was. Uh, my PFF chat, my, my, my Twitter groups and stuff that, I, that I'm in and stuff, everyone who was celebrating the, the, the signing of, of Adrian Peterson, I sent the, 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 the gif of, uh, of Kim Chancellor stripping him in the playoffs a couple years ago because everyone always conveniently overlooks that when the moments matter the most, Adrian Peterson puts the ball on the ground like nobody's damn business. He sucks. So here's the only stat, I saw this on Twitter the other day. In the past three seasons, this is his fourth team, and in that time, he has a 3.1 yards per carry with just 601 yards. Go wow. away. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. There you go, Ryan. Right? Blew up Adrian Peterson. That is that. is that is that. And I actually don't disagree with you in any sense. I don't think there's anything I can add to that. I do think, though, um, from the perspective of uh, the Redskins, he is fine as having a body in the backfield. But, you know, you kept – Rob Kelly around for a reason. You might as well use him. I don't see why Adrian Peterson is that much better than having Rob Kelly and rolling him out there uh, with Capri Bibbs and Tris Thompson. I mean, I don't, I don't see why this is a huge benefit. Of course, those guys from urban sports scene actually do like them to fit. So who knows? They know a lot more about the Redskins than I do. So what have you, do you have any interest in Adrian Peterson in fantasy football, Ryan? God, no. I don't want anything to do with Adrian Peterson. <laughs> and what do you think the squad QL people think about Adrian Peterson? Uh, uh, Lord, Lord knows at this time uh, I would have to, I would have to check on the, you know, I will say that in, in every single league that I've checked squad QL with, uh, not once on my, on my uh, free agents to go pick up uh, recommendations was, uh, was Adrian Peterson mentioned. So um, yeah, squad QL is out and I'm out. Okay. All right. All right. Excellent. Let's go ahead and uh, ring the bell on that one. Let's go to the next topic. Let's talk about the impact of Marquise Lee's season-ending knee injury. Ligament damage in his knee 
Jacksonville Jaguars now without Marcus Lee for the entire season. He's on injured reserve. Now, of course, it looked absolutely brutal on this on this on the uh, during the game during that third preseason game. I don't know. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure everybody's seen it. It looked disgusting. I mean, his leg went sideways. Now, tests confirmed, of course, the deal ligament damage. On the bright side, he uh, he got paid this offseason, and uh, the timing of injury should have him back by the start of next season. But what about this season? We had Keelan Cole out there. We had D.D. Westbrook out there. We had Dante Moncrief out there. Um, you also have um, DJ, you have DJ Shark. But what are your thoughts about this receiving core for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Should they go out and get somebody, or do you like any of those guys? Yeah, I like I, I like everybody they have. As as you know, I don't think the difference between Marquise Lee and any of the other guys there is that great. You know, I'm very I'm pretty much out, and then it's going to hurt because George sets on the Patriots. But um, outside of T.Y. <laughs> Hilton, you know, any any wide receiver that. Uh, um, Ryan Grixon drafted in Indianapolis has a lot to prove. So I'm not a big Moncrief guy, but from DJ Chark to, to Keelan Cole to DD Westbrook, I mean, I think those guys are reasonable enough. And again, this is a, a team that doesn't need to be a high powered offense because a they have a they have a Belkel back and they have uh, you know the you know every couple of years we see like a generational defense and I think that the Jaguars are that next one. Uh, they're loaded from front to back. Um, you know, so I just think that they they don't really need a high end wide receiver there. As far as the hit, the one thing I do want to touch on is just I, this is just more evidence they need to make this a waiver league that you sign right. away because taking the headshots out is now going to damage the on field product for a league that saw a dip in ratings. Now it's still the the most popular TV show on TV, but you know it did see a dip in ratings last year, and right. you're just encouraging more guys to go low. And we know how these players react when originally they're scared to go high. We saw it when they first brought in the the defenseless receiver, you know, rule. And in the first couple of years that followed that, there was a lot of shots down low. These guys get so worried about going up top because of those rules, they, they overreact and go the complete other way. But it's just, you know, you look at the defense, you know, De, uh, DeMonte Kazi, Kaze, I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, the defender there in Atlanta, I mean, what is he supposed to do? You know, you saw the message after the game where he, or I think it was a tweet, he tweeted out that, you know, he, he would never purposely hurt somebody he praised before every, for everyone's health before the game. But, Right. And what's the defender supposed to do? You can't leave with the helmet. You can't go up top and, you know, it's bang, bang, play. And, and, and this is this is what's going to happen. So, um, yep. yeah, make it a waiver sport and, and take out all these head rolls because it's just it's just going to ruin the game. Yeah, it's going to I, I agree with all that. And uh, and uh, as for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I also agree. I think they can stand pat. But do you have any faith in Dante Moncrief actually being a thing? Um, because right now I have to tell you, I like Keelan Cole as an upside guy. I like Deaton Westbrook as an upside guy. I like for those people in Dynasty – maybe in keeper league to look at DJ shark, not feeling it for Dante Moncrief either in real football or fantasy football. What do you think? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't like him either. Uh, you know, I think, I think the two guys that move up your boards now are Keelan Cole and DD Westbrook. Um, so, you know, those are, those are the two that I'm going after. I think they both were um, pretty productive down the stretch last year. And now without Marquise Lee, I think that they're going to get a big uptick in uh, targets. Yep. All right. Well, that's a good thought there on Marquise Lee's ending injury. That it's a bummer for him, but Jacksonville Jaguars should be just fine. Let's ring the bell. Let's get on to the next topic here. Let's talk about Sam Darno, one of those first-round quarterbacks. He is now potentially starting for the New York Jets, and there really isn't any injury there. He did manage in Friday's preseason game uh, against the Giants to complete eight of sixteen passes for eighty-six yards and a touchdown. Looked pretty good. He is now the presumptive starter. Closes the book in the preseason, having gone 29 of 45, 64.4% with 244 yards of a 5.42 yard per attempt, two touchdowns, and only one INT. So what are your thoughts 
about Sam Darno starting for the Jets? Is this a good thing for them, or should they actually, you know, go back to Josh McCown or go Titty Bridgewater? Yeah, I mean, put the McCowns on the list too of you know, uh, good serviceable guys for years. But I've I've seen enough of the McCown brothers for a lifetime. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think I think starting Sam Darnold is is the is the play here for the Jets and. Um, you know, I'd be, I'd be a, a, an absolute liar. You know, I, I watch, I think I watch more preseason football than the average, um, but I do not exactly uh, get geared up and sit down for Jets games uh, in this yeah. scenario. So <laughs> I had to go back and do some digging today. Uh, outside of the stats, you know, there was an SI article that talked about how he, uh, at one point in the opening drive the other night, uh, had an audible, uh, had called an audible on third down, saw um, it was supposed to be a curl route for uh, for, the, for the tight end. I forget which tight end it was, but um, supposed to be a curl route for him. Uh, he recognizes that there was a the, the safety was sitting down in the box and was going to be right in the way mm-hmm. of that. Ends up auto blowing to a flat route, hits him, moves the chains, uh, moves the chains on a 13 yard gain, leads to a touchdown mm-hmm. on that drive. Um, so his ability to kind of command the offense and read defenses looks really good. The stats are there. You know, the, then I was watching an Albert Breer uh, video who was kind of showing, I was breaking it down. Um, I think also on SI, uh, just looking at a good play he made in the game and a bad play just to kind of show that, you know, the the good but also the bad you'll have with a rookie quarterback. And there was, he did a really good job of looking off coverage. And I've noticed that a couple mm-hmm. times when going back and looking at tape that he'll snap the ball. He'd be looking really intently one way. And he snaps his head back to his primary guy, hits him, and, and creates good, uh, good, good mismatches that way. Um, and then the other, uh, but the, you know, the mistakes are this guy who's primarily played under center. I mean, played in shotgun. Um, so there was a, they, they demonstrated or Breer demonstrated a play where he turned his back and got a little bit frantic and turned around, threw off his back foot when there really wasn't any pressure, uh, almost right. more just of panic because the play wasn't in front of him. So I think there'll be some of those, those bumps along the way, but overall, I think he's obviously, uh, the most talented and, and, and you know, this is the guy you drafted to be your future. So you might as well throw him out there. Yep, uh, and then they have nothing to lose, really. So <laughs> they got a tough, they got a tough road to hoe uh, in that division. So let's go ahead and ring the bell. Let's go to the next, another rookie quarterback, Josh Allen. This time, starting for the Buffalo Bills, AJ McCarron out with the broken collarbone. Josh Allen in there. He actually st- he he was in the pl- third preseason game and essentially was running for his life. <laughs> he completed six of twelve for thirty-four yards in his half of work, and he took five sacks, and he was running many, many, many times, trying to avoid defenders. He left the game after avoiding a sack in the end zone before getting slammed to the turf. His helmet bounced off the turf. He was taken off for a potential concussion. I mean, for a dress rehearsal, didn't look great as far as his offensive line is concerned. Sean, uh, Coach Sean McDermott came out today and said that he has yet to decide who is going to start in week one. I mean, the, the the Bills, it may not matter. The Bills' offensive line is absolutely brutal. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen looked bad. I don't know if it's entirely his fault. He's still being uh, – he may still have be eva- being evaluated for concussion, so who knows what's going to happen there. Nathan Peterman is still out there, and he actually has looked relatively good in the preseason. And as we said before, J.J. McCarron still kind of sitting out there with shoulder injury. So what are your thoughts on uh, Josh Allen as a starter for the Buffalo Bills, yay, nay, or otherwise? 54. That is the most predictable number I could have come up with when going to dive into his preseason stats, and that is the percentage of passes completed by one Josh Allen, the guy who has never in his career thrown above 60%, um, <laughs> and it continues here at the NFL level. And that, and that extends back to high school for people who forget. So 
Uh, Josh Allen is a God. Is he have to me? He has Ryan Leaf written all over him. Uh, with a oh man! Yeah. This guy. Ooh. This guy. He's. It, it's a stretch, and it's a. It's it's actually a compliment uh, of me to say that he's a project because I think <laughs> that's a little more praise than he than he deserves right now. He was clearly the worst guy out of this group coming out of college. He's performed the worst, and he's just in the the best scenario because I mean, I, I, someone's got to get like a bunch of billboards. And I love this because you know how I feel about Bill Sands. Yep. Uh, someone's got to get a bunch of billboards out up in Buffalo that the ownership group has to drive by every day that says, stop bringing in defensive-minded coaches. What happened to the Rams <laughs> when they brought in an offensive-minded coach? The defense didn't get worse because McVay came in and said, I'm just going to hire a good defensive mind like Wade Phillips and let him run that, and I'll fix the offense. This, this – this, this offense sucked six years ago, and since Rex Ryan took over now through McDermott, it's gotten worse every year because now the yep. offensive line's not even good anymore. And so, so yep. and now Shady's over the hill, and, and you know, and I know it hasn't shown on the field, but I'm just, you know, let's be honest. The age he is at a running back, he's going to start to decline. He's got no yep. offensive line. Their quarterback position's gotten worse. Their receiving position's gotten worse. The best part is that all their players leave and go and be successful elsewhere. Chris Hogan, Robert Woods. <laughs> Sammy Watkins has been a better as bad as he can be. He's been a better player outside of Buffalo than he was in Buffalo. Yep. It's just yep. it's an absolute nightmare. So Josh Allen, good luck to you, dude. I mean, I would if I was Josh Allen, I would I would in practice start trying to complete twenty percent of my passes just so that makes Nathan <laughs> Peterman go out there and play instead of me. Because this won't be yeah. the only concussion he gets all year. It's a mess in Buffalo. But don't worry, because they drafted they drafted another high end draft pick where they went and took a defensive player again. Because they'll just, yeah. they'll just have nobody in any skill possession on the offense and we'll just keep drafting uh you know, drafting defensive players and then taking Cleveland cast offs. Yeah, and, and and of course the only player to get a standing ovation by the Bills fans during the third preseason game was Andy Dalton. So <laughs> I, just, I think that tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> they weren't cheering for their own guys, just about the guy who got their guys into the playoffs last year by beating another team. So, okay, that's all we got on him. And uh, and I agree with you. I think Josh Allen, I, I don't think he is as bad as that. I think the offensive line, if it was actually improved, he could be something useful back there. I'm not willing to count him out yet, but certainly in this particular offense, it is a disaster. Let's ring the bell. Move on to our next topic. Your favorite topic from the early preseason, Chris Carson's situation with Rashad Penny's injury in the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson actually rushed seven times, 26 yards on a touchdown in the Seahawks' third preseason game against the Vikings. He had a two catches for 20 yards and three targets. He had a nice grab on second and four to pick up a first down. He looked good. Rashad Penny, in the meantime, has been out because of the finger injury, and he gained 16 pounds since the combine. He probably won't be. He's been working out on the sidelines, hasn't been working out the team yet. Um, I don't know. Things are starting to go the other direction here. How do you feel about the situation of Chris Carson's and Rashad Penny? Yeah, I mean, Chris Carson's just so disrespected. It, it's, it's unbelievable, and it's actually starting to get borderline insulting to me. Um, I've had, <laughs> obviously, my fair share of lifts in, in fantasy football over the years. Um, but I have a pretty good eye of, of grabbing running backs or scouting running backs who – who are going to rise to a certain level that no one else really had high or didn't have as high on their list. Um, and I'll just give you my resume quickly. I, in a, in a in not even a dynasty league, in just a regular keeper league, drafted David Johnson in 2015 and held on to him the whole season. I also mm-hmm. drafted Elvin Kamara last year and, and held on to him all season. And had it not been for you, 
I would have had Jordan <laughs> Howard on my team the whole season. So I have I've had a pretty good job of looking past the elite guys, and I, I don't really I, I don't see it with Rashad Penny. I know I know all you guys love him and anoint him. And you know this. I got in a fight with a guy on Twitter a couple weeks ago. He was like, he was like, Chris Carson's played like two or two good quarters ever, and you guys are so high on him. And he's like, and, and I don't understand why Rashad Penny's clearly the better guy. Okay, first of all, disrespectful. He's played more than two good quarters in football. But also, how many good quarters of football is Rashad Penny played? Like you just said, all he's done is come in, gotten fat, gotten hurt, and, and not been able to take the job from a guy who came in 10 pounds later and leaner and hungrier than he was last year when he was clearly the best back in that backfield. I don't understand why people aren't buying into Chris Carson. And everybody else in Seattle keeps getting hurt. And now, and now I've been saying it for months, and now his stock is finally going up. So, too bad you guys all waited too long. I got him in a keeper league and a $300 auction league. I got to keep Chris Carson for a buck, and he's my RB4. Um, Chris Carson last year in four games, 4.2 yards per carry. You guys are all over Adrian Peterson in his 3.1, but, but Chris Carson at 4.2 with that bad offensive line last year. Oh, he stinks. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Seven catches on eight targets, 59 yards. That's an 83% catch percentage. And zero fumbles, 8.4 yards per carry. Reliable, catches the ball, is, is, is a great running back. And, and you guys are going to see. Come hit me up at the end of the year. Get your Chris, Chris Carson socks now while you still can. <laughs> and there you go again. There you go again. Ryan just blew, blowing up Rashad Penny, blowing up running backs all over the place. Okay. I just can't, I can't add anything to that. I uh, Honestly... I think I'm just gonna have to uh, just gonna have to ring the bell and move on on that one. All right, let's talk about Eric Decker. Eric Decker announces retirement via a written statement on Instagram today. He hasn't been officially released by the Patriots, uh, but all signs point to him uh, being released by the final cuts. And he's penned up uh, in his uh, in his written statement, "quote It is time to hang my helmet up and start a new chapter in my life." He has had a a relatively successful eight-year career, although most of it near the beginning of his career. He finishes with 439 catches, 5,816 yards, and 53 scores, and majority of this production with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. So what are your thoughts? First of all, tell me what are your thoughts about Eric Decker as a player and his retirement, and then tell me how does this impact the Patriots, if at all? Yeah, so with, uh, with Decker, I mean, the, the, the craziest thing was to me is it just feels like he's been in the league a lot longer than eight years. I could not believe he'd only been there eight years. Yeah. Um, yep. So a pretty short-lived career. I mean, he had some good moments, obviously, in Denver. I mean, he was relatively productive his first year with the Jets. Um, and he's been with 800 other teams, so I'm going to forget where else he <laughs> right. went. But either way. Right. Uh, but, you know, he clued this. The guy didn't have it. He couldn't create separation in any of the preseason games, even going on the second against second units. When he did create separation, he was dropping the ball. Um, there was a report that came out later today that the Patriots um, apparently were, were reportedly shopping him before he announced his retirement. And so my thought is uh, McDaniels is the guy in Denver who drafted Decker, who's obviously the offensive coordinator in New England now. Belichick seems to have a lot of respect. Decker seems one of those guys across the league that he respected. And so mm-hmm. I think they went to make some trade. They tried to pull off a trade to get something for him. Nobody, nobody bit. Uh, they came to him and said, hey, you know, this isn't working out. We're going to release you or you can – you know, go out the, the way you want if you want to announce your retirement instead. Decker probably realized no one's trading for me. No one was willing to sign me to the Patriots. I don't have it anymore, and he walked away. So I think that's mm-hmm. what it was. It was kind of like the veteran, the veteran gentleman handshake on the way out of the door. Um, right. But for the Patriots, there's been an interesting – so I saw a rumor at about 12 today from just a random uh, Twitter account. Um, or actually, no, I don't think it was random. I think it was Andrew Erickson who we've had on the show. And so okay. as much as I respect Andrew, and he's my you know, fellow uh, PFF teammate 
and he writes for a lot of good publications. I don't think yep. Andrew has sources yet, so I thought it was kind of odd, and I couldn't find anything substantiated. And then as I was uh, getting ready to leave work today, I saw it was from Lombardi, quote, uh, Mike Lombardi. Uh, uh, I don't know even where he works anymore, but some NFL network. Uh, and he was quoting mm-hmm. Mike Reese, the, the ESPN Boston writer, who is floating out the idea that the Patriots may be in trade talks or, or reaching out to the Lions. Uh, you know, these, these are two guys who are pretty close to connect with the Patriots. Um, you know, might be going after Golden Tate. Um, there's wow. Belichick and uh, wow, I'm going to forget his name now. Matt Patricia. There we go. Matt Patricia yep. connection. Um, Tate's in the final year of his contract, older guy. Um, so what it means for the Patriots, I mean, it might be finally lighting a fire under their butts to go get somebody. They clearly have no interest in Dez. Um, and the rumor I'm seeing online right now is, is about Golden Tate. So interesting. That would be a huge, huge get for the Patriots if that happens. I can see him doing some great things with a good quarterback there who is actually careful with the ball. Um, yeah, wow. Okay. Well, let's see what happens with that. And uh, Bon Voyage, Eric Decker, had a pretty good uh, career. Tough break at the very end of his career, though. Let's ring the bell. Let's talk about another wide receiver. Let's talk about Odell Beckham Jr. He has struck a new deal with the New York Giants. He is now signed to a five-year, $95 million extension through 2023. It includes $65 million guaranteed, and both the guaranteed money and Beckham's average annual value of $19 million are new records for a wide receiver. So... What are your thoughts about this deal with Odell Beckham Jr.? So on the surface, you would say good deal. You know, it's it's an elite wide receiver. You locked him up for another five years, franchise mm-hmm. type player. What the hell happened to the New York Giants? One of the most disciplined, uh, respectful, above-the-bar organizations in the whole league. And let's just rewind what's happened the last several years. Um, the the almost a disrespectful dismissing of Tom Coughlin and that whole awkward press conference uh, on mm-hmm. his way out. You know, thanks for two Super Bowls and that whole kind of weird divorce there. I'm gonna forget his name now. Was it Josh Brown, the kicker, who they basically were trying to sweep under the rug, was beating the hell out of his wife? And, oh right, and right, right, right. Moved on from that. John Brown or something like that. It was, or it was Josh John Brown? Brown yeah, whatever his name was. I mean, it completely flamed out of the league after that because the the climate now. The you know obviously not that it was ever okay, but like you know even the NFL can't hide that stuff anymore. Um, so that that whole thing and and now, but you know again it, it it's a good signing because he's a great player, but all the posturing the off season of well, you know, we're open to everything and blah, blah, blah. I mean, what has Odell done since then to, to change their mind? It's not like it's not like he's halfway through the season and he's been, a, you know, a model citizen and not out there punching and, and kicking and hugging and kissing nets and, <laughs> and not, you know, peeing like a dog in the end zone and doing all this stuff to, you know, get extra 15-yard you know, flag. He's not, you know, out, out there for eight games without getting in a fist fight with Josh Norman on the ground. Like, he hasn't done anything to separate from who he was before. And so if you had a problem with him two months ago that you're ready to trade him, what, did he pinky swear you? Did he, did, he write <laughs> you a, did he write you a hand letter saying, I'll be a good boy now? Like, I just don't get it. And so it just, it just to me, it's not about Odell because Odell, uh, you know, there's certain guys that I don't like their, their divaness of the me, 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 me first. Like, I think at the end of the day, Odell does want to win. I put him in the class of Dez where there's, there's a little divaness there, but it, it comes from a place of, of competitiveness, so I don't mind it. Yep. Um, it's mm-hmm. not like Terrell Owens or even Randy Moss was at some points where it was just like, I don't care about the team to feed me the ball. Um, mm-hmm. so I put them in a different class, but 
it just it speaks to the dysfunction that's going on in New York. And it just feels yep. like an organization that had it together and was the class of the NFL over the last three or four or five years now has really kind of turned into a, a, a little bit of a circus. And so, and that's, that's on the ownership and the upper management there. So just another weird day. I mean, I just, I did not see this coming at all just because, you know, I thought they were going to really hold his feet to the fire and try to make him, you know, change his on-field stuff and, and his antics. And they apparently and they just told that. him, no, it's okay now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. Um, I, I, of course, I understand from the perspective that you had it. When you, when you started down this road, you, you mentioned that from a pure kind of uh, su- like a superficial viewpoint. I mean, he's a franchise player, signed him for long term, but you're right. There is a lot they could have done in order to make sure he didn't get himself in trouble later. They did not do that. They gave him a lot of money. He is now one of the, the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. So we'll see what happens there. Hopefully he makes good on it, or otherwise the Giants will have a whole lot of hurt in the future because they don't really have much of a future. Uh, since they decided to go with Saquon Barkley instead of a quarterback. Um, so, and you're right, by the way, let me get on the record. It is Josh Brown. It is not John Brown, the wide receiver from uh, Baltimore. It is actually Josh Brown, the kicker, who was released by the Giants. Let's ring the bell. Let's owe, talk about our last topic of the day. John Brown an apology. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm sorry, John Brown. I, didn't, I did not mean to associate you with Josh Brown. I know you guys are in no way related, and you've never met probably, and you're a way nicer person than him. So there you go. So uh, anyway, let's think about our last topic. That is the Green Zone, introduced last night on Saturday Night Football. That's right. Now there on TV is uh, the green area between the first down marker and where the team is at the line of scrimmage on third downs. You will see exactly how much green they have to cover in order to get that first down. How do you feel about that, the Green Zone? Well, I saw your tweet last night, and I will say that I think we've finally found a topic that you're a little bit more concerned with than I am. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really make that much of a difference to me, honestly. Um, you know, I think it's pandering to the lowest common denominator. Let's be, let's let's call it what it is. This is this is to help non-football fans, um, you know, understand the game a little bit more. Most of us do not need this. Um, I don't even need the yellow line 99% of the time. I know exactly how many how many yards they have to get and what yard line they have to get to. So, um, but I, you know, I watched the game more intently than, than, you know, I think maybe some of the more casual people. So, um, you know, the NFL is just, you know, they're they're trying to fix the ratings when what's really going to hurt this year is that, that, that helmet rule potentially. So, um, you know, I think, again, I think it's just pandering, trying to, trying to make it more appetizing and understandable and relatable for, for the casual fan. Yeah, I uh, I just think it's nonsense because the yellow line was plenty. I mean, honestly, you yes, you have to get from where you are to the yellow line. I'm pretty sure that the average <laughs> human can figure that out. I don't think they need to. I don't think there's any confusion that you have to like run out of the stadium and around the block before you get there. No, I know you got to get from the line of scrimmage to the yellow line. I'm pretty sure even if you don't understand football, you know that's what they're trying to get to. So they uh, keep that's the just yellow me. Because I didn't watch. Did they they, they the didn't have the yellow line. Of the green zone? Okay. Oh, no, no yellow line. They dropped the yellow line. They went with oh, just the green zone. Dumb. Now they're all yeah. on your side. Now that's really <laughs> stupid. The, the yellow <laughs> line's way easier to like understand, right. like see than like looking at different shades of green. What if you're colorblind? Like, yeah. Are the, <laughs> the shades that different that you wouldn't be able to tell? Like, or I guess I guess yellow and green would be that much different either way. So that's probably a stupid comment by me. But either way, <laughs> it's dumb. The yellow line, the yellow line is way more distinguishable than the different shades of green. I thought they at least still had the yellow line on there too. Dumb. Yeah, the green, the green zone is weird because of the fact it just kind of looks like they just colored the field that way. So it's it's almost like you can't tell that there's <laughs> really something they put on the field. It's like oh, that could just be the color of the field. I don't know. So anyway, uh, so. 
we probably already spent too much time on the green zone, so I'll go ahead and and then hit the horn on the show here. All right, that's all the time we got. All right, Ryan, you want to? Uh, I know you were going to give us there's your shout out to Squad QL earlier, so want want to give a shout out now and give them your uh, social media as well. Absolutely, uh, I got two things to touch on before we move. I've now decided in my head that this is the that is the dumbest uh, sport broadcasting thing they've done since they put that that streak of light that they used to put on the pucks back in the early 2000s uh, in <laughs> right. hockey games. That right. was number one. This is number two. Uh, secondly, you better believe that with the holiday season coming up, if the Patriots do sign Golden Tate, I will send you one of those half and half jerseys, half Notre Dame, half New England Patriot. Nice. Just so I know and I will wear it. have to wear it. <laughs> I will absolutely wear it. And I'll post that up everywhere. I'll wear that. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, so we're coming up to the end of uh, the end of uh, fantasy draft season here, getting into the time where you're going to be setting your lineups throughout the year, unless you're playing best ball, of course. But outside of that, as you start to move into here, trying to figure out, you know, who you want to play. So want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Look no further and download Squad QL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. Squad QL provides waiver and trade recommendations as well. Go to squadql.com to, down- to download the app for free. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. I can't believe I got through all of that. My Twitter's <laughs> at Ryan Whitfield. Any follow me on there. Adrian Peterson sucks. <laughs> and you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. Again, everybody, thanks for wasting time with us, and we will see you next time. So. Until the next time, enjoy your NFL. Oh, and, and by the way, go Irish pizza. <laughs> pizza.